0: Welcome to the Keep Moving Pod with Dr. Sam Altman. because the only way to keep moving is to keep moving. Hi there, Dr. Sam Altman here, naturopathic physician, regenerative medicine specialist, musculoskeletal ultrasound expert, and foot health guru on the Keep Moving Pod, talking to you about health and all things related to keeping you moving. Right, hello everyone. Today we're going to be answering the question, what is PRP? So, what is PRP? PRP is an acronym. It stands for platelet-rich plasma. Platelet-rich plasma is a solution of concentrated platelets and growth factors used to stimulate the healing cascade. Now, uh, in clinical use, plat- uh, PRP is also what's called autologous, meaning, it, meaning it's from your own body. So, ERP is a solution of your concentrated platelets and your growth factors used to stimulate your healing cascade. Uh, What are platelets? Platelets are small blood cell fragments uh, that contain packets of growth factors uh, which stimulate specific cellular activities. Growth factors are Um, proteins but you can think of them like chemical messengers so in our body like hormones and um, and many other such mechanisms growth factors are proteins by virtue of their shape that stimulate and communicate certain actions in the cell so platelets are full of growth factors they contain these in um, um packets inside of themselves called alpha granules and dense granules um most people are f- or the, the most people are familiar with platelets and platelets are most recognized for their um, for their responsibility and their their role in forming clots in the blood when there's a break in the blood vessel so when you cut yourself the thing that uh, the, the, one of the primary um, things that makes you stop bleeding for example is the it's called platelet aggregation so the platelets clumping together um it's not all that they do. It's not the only thing that stops you from bleeding, but they play a primary role in that, in that, um, process. So in regenerative medicine, uh, the growth factors are really the important part. Um, you know, it's a, it's a concentrated platelet and by virtue, concentrated growth factor solution. So, um, you know, depending on the depth and the level at which, you know, you want to get into these specifics, you know, for example, I'm not going to get into every specific growth factor, but for example, there's a uh, a growth factor called platelet derived growth factor, which stimulates um, another growth factor called VEGF, which um, stimulates a process called angiogenesis or the growth of new blood vessels. There's another growth factor Uh, called Transforming Growth Factor Beta or TGF-beta. That stimulates cellular uh, chemotaxis or cellular movement of progenitor cells. Progenitor cells are um, sort of downstream versions of stem cells. Those cells combine with uh, BMP, which is bone, bone morphogenic protein, and that can stimulate the formation of new osteocytes and chondrocytes, which are bone cells and cartilage cells. So it's, you know, you can see it's, it's very wordy. It's a, um, we can get really, really into the weeds with the biochemistry, but suffice it to say the growth factors of, of various kinds of which we can identify really um, nicely at this point are contained within these platelets, which is why the platelets are so valuable and why the, the concept of platelet-rich plasma in the first place um, is a, you know, is a, is a therapeutic um, agent. There's many other growth factors I'm not going to mention, The basic idea is that the growth factors bind to receptors on the membranes of the um, cells in the target area. They produce cell growth, mitogenesis, um, which is replication, chemotaxis, which is movement. And they promote the replication um, and extracellular matrix formation, which is like collagen, and all of that leading to tissue repair. So um, all of that sort of sums up to... Your platelets can be extracted and concentrated, put in specific locations, and stimulate tissue repair processes. So, that's sort of the basic definition of PRP. Uh, we'll get into more specifics as far as clinically speaking and medical, but why do we need this? Like, what, what is, why would we need to, co- to concentrate our own platelets in the first place? So, this is a really important kind of fundamental question, which is, it's based on our own body's healing response. And so when you um, sprain your ankle or have any sort of sort of mild soft tissue injury, that injury and that tissue damage kicks off a process um, called our inflammation cascade that lasts about eight to 12 weeks long. Now, that cascade and that biochemical process lasts for eight to 12 weeks regardless of if the job gets done and so this is really important it's not your body does not work on a project basis right it works on a timeline basis and so if it works if the process uh that's stimulated by an injury the process for repair if that um, continues and and turns the wheels for 8 to 12 weeks and by the end of that time you know, whatever tissue is injured is 80% healed, it's, it's, it's over. Like your body's, your body's done because the timeline is up, right? It doesn't work until the tissue is a hundred percent. And so that timeline based healing, right? Likely we can, we can hypothesize that it's evolutionarily based. It's, you know, our, our, our injury healing mechanism is based on energy, converse, uh, energy, um, conservation and short-term goals, right? Like our uh, evolution has never been, um, selecting for physical longevity, meaning, you know, it's evolution's never selecting for allowing you to, um, you know, run a marathon when you're 80. It's selecting for short-term solutions that get you to reproductive age to pass on your genes. And so that healing response by, timeline is a really important factor now. And so what what that, the, the, the downstream effect of that is we accumulate injuries and most injuries that happen to us don't heal back to hundred percent. And so even if it's very close, even if every injury you get, you heal back to 95% of what it was before, um, you know, you take repetitive strain injuries, you know, you sprain your ankle 20 times in your life, um, running, that ankle, even if it, even if it does heal to 95% of its original each time, um, it after 20 times, that's quite a compounded effect. Um, and so healing response, uh, by timeline, that's number one. So the, the second thing is that the issues in the tissues that we deal with orthopedically are pretty much all, um, low blood flow tissues, meaning the tissues themselves have no direct blood flow because they're structural. They're, they're designed to be as strong as possible and they don't have internal arteries and veins to supply, um, to supply blood, to supply nutrients and remove waste. They get their blood supply from passive, um, passive diffusion through surrounding areas, through the, through the joint fluid and whatnot. And so all of these tissues that we deal with, cartilage, tendons ligaments other kinds of connective tissues meniscus labrum all of the things that are that are prone to chronic injury and degenerative disease are low blood flow tissues by nature this again compounds the issue of of tissue healing because blood is how we heal so that 8 to 12 week timeline with a cartilage with a cartilage injury is pretty much in all cases, not going to get anywhere near back to hundred percent, um, in that eight to 12 week period that our body sort of works, um, on it for. So that's another, that's the second kind of important dynamic. We're timeline based and we're also, um, the things that we tend to injure and develop chronic issues for are lacking in blood flow. Now, The healing response itself and the ability of our immune system to um, respond either to infections or to injuries is uh, partially based on age. It's partially based on overall health. It's partially based on um, sort of injury repetition, right? So if you keep re-injuring the same spot, its ability to heal um, will sort of lower progressively, So all that taken together illustrates why PRP is such an elegant solution to many of these degenerative problems, because a, it's a concentrated version of your own blood in these low blood flow tissues. And it's a way to reinitiate that eight to 12 week healing response in an area that has been um, left with less than a hundred percent of function after the original healing response has taken place. So that's really the the ten thousand foot view of why PRP in general would be needed in the first place, right? It's a it's a concentrated uh, growth factor blood solution in low used in low blood flow tissues to reinitiate healing responses that are imperfect to begin with. The history and origin of platelet rich plasma. Um, it was first co- the term was first coined and very first used in bat- way back in the nineteen fifties. And but they were talking about more for blood transfusion blood transfusions. So in the 50s and 60s, um using the um what they call platelet rich plasma formulas for different blood transfusions, more growth factor uh more growth factors were discovered uh in the 1960s through the nineteen eighties, right? we like in the fifties, we didn't know what platelet-drive growth factor was. It didn't it didn't exist in our consciousness. And so as those things were discovered, we discovered hey, they're in platelets and oh hey, they have these specific functions, Um, and because of that, using platelets medicinally for for certain things became more widespread in in various uh, medical specialties. And then in the the 90s, um, it really became much more popular in maxillofacial surgery and dentistry um, with implants and surgical wound healing. And then from there, uh, the first in-depth study of PRP on effects on the human tendon was done in 2005. And then there's been really increasing orthopedic use and a um, really prominent and significant growth in the amount of studies done on PRP uh, basically after 2010. From 2010 until now, the number of studies done on uh, PRP has really exploded. And so now what we see, the current use of PRP is mostly in dental dental/maxillofacial slash maxillofacial surgery we see it in uh, wound healing applications there's a lot of studies now on diabetic ulcers and um other sort of uh, burn burn wounds and other sort of um um dermatological injuries relatedly skin skin inherits used a lot in cosmetics uh, cosmetics and aesthetics so um, you know, hair growth and and wrinkles and all sorts of other sort of um, cosmetic quasi like sort of adjacent to plastic surgery and used in conjunction with plastic surgery as well. And then what we use it for uh, at Cascade Regenerative Medicine is just orthopedics. Um, a lot of orthopedic clinics or regenerative medicine clinics will do orthopedics and cosmetics at the same time because it's this idea that like oh, well, we make PRP, so we might as well, you know, if we can stick it in a knee, let's stick it in your face or in your hair. Um, I don't believe that at all. I think that, you know, in my practice, our focus is sports medicine, period. We do orthopedics. We do joint joint and musculoskeletal problems. I think the cosmetic and aesthetics, while it works and is valuable, to have it... um, in the same practice, um, I think kind of cheapens the, the product. So for us at cascade regenerative medicine, um, you know, there's a reason why we don't do your knee and then, you know, offer, you know, skin and hair stuff because that's not our thing. And we want really, really want to specialize. So, um, orthopedic uses, uh, of PRP are primarily osteoarthritis, um, which is your sort of aging of the joint type of arthritis um, any number of different tendinitis. So, from tendinitis to um, synovitis to bursitis to tenosynovitis to partial tears of the tendon, any number of different pathologies of tendons. Um, similarly, with ligaments, uh, ligament sprains and partial tears. Right? So, I mentioned ankle sprains. Ankle sprains is a very common injury and a very common application of something like PRP. Um, and that can be, you know, it can be sprains of. Um, uh, of shoulders, of spines, necks, low backs, any, any number of, of ligament issues. And then muscle tears as well. I left out muscle tears um, as, as an example with low blood flow tissues because muscles are full of blood. So it's very rare to see a chronic muscle issue where it's super common to see a chronic tendon ligament cartilage issue um, because muscles are full of blood. However, if you do have an acute muscle tear, um, you know, pull your hamstring or something like that. Um, if it truly is a muscle tear, um, it's, you know, it will heal on its own, uh, most of the time because of its rich blood flow, but PRP is also an application to get it to heal faster. So that would be more, um, relevant to athletes, um, as far as a quick recovery to get back to competition, as opposed to, um, your sort of daily person doing it for fitness. Um, you know, being active for fitness reasons. Um, and then we have nerve inflammation. So things like carpal tunnel syndrome, tarsal tunnel syndrome, um, there's uh, shoulder and low back issues that can be similar as well. This is a little bit of a newer, um, application for PRP, but also, you know, as we know now with the growth factors and the largely anti-inflammatory, um, or sort of pro-anabolic response that the growth factors have. Using them around um, irritated nerves is also uh, really, really helpful. So, um, one question that comes up, and that's you know, sort of um, a good question, and is natural to ask: is you know, is PRP FDA approved? And uh, the answer is no. Uh, PRP is not approved for anything by the FDA, but that's not because it's not effective. Um, PRP is not a drug, so the FDA is the Food and Drug Administration. Um, They they oversee food, drugs, and medical devices. Um, PRP is not any of those things, and so because PRP comes from your own body, and we're doing it within the course of a a visit on the same day, uh, PRP is not under the auspices of the FDA to approve or disapprove. PRPs, you know, within the practice of medicine, um, it's not a drug. It comes out of your body and we're using your body to treat itself. So it's, you know, PRP is not FDA approved, um, but it's also not under the auspices of the FDA to approve in the first place. So that's, I think, the simplest way to think about sort of FDA status. The FDA does approve medical devices and there are medical devices that uh, produce PRP. Uh, so it's, you know, there's some related aspects to it. Um, at Cascade Regenerative Medicine, we make our PRP manually. So we don't use a device, um, a kit, so to speak is what they're called. We do it manually. Um, this gives us a lot more control over the process. Um, it reduces the cost to the patient because the kits get very expensive and also very wasteful as far as, you know, the amount of plastic and things that are just disposable and throwaway. Um, and it gives us the ability to customize. Um, and we'll talk more about that later. So what does PRP actually do? What is it supposed to do? Really, really uh, common question is, does it grow back cartilage? Like if I have arthritis and there's thinning of the cartilage, is PRP going to grow it back? Um, the short answer is no, probably not, or at least not to a, a, a significant degree on the macro level. And so, um, for my patients, like, you know, I call it treating your image. Like if we see decreased joint space on an x-ray because the cartilage is thinned and lost, um, I don't expect PRP to make that x-ray look better, you know, a year later or two years later. Um, The goal is pain-free function. We do know the actual effects of PRP are are twofold. One is a biochemical effect from the growth factors, like we mentioned at the top. Growth factors are creating biochemical processes that, um, are pro healing, um, and anabolic meaning building up, right. Repairing, <clears throat> repairing tissue. So, um, and that tends to be more in the short term. So, you know, when you feel better to, you know, two weeks after two, or three weeks after, you know, a knee injection of PRP, no cartilage has grown back in your knee in two or three weeks, but there has been a big biochemical push toward, uh, healing toward, Um, an anabolic process and toward an inflammation resolution process now there's a second effect which is structural there's a structural effect over the longer term from the cellular activation the laying down of extracellular matrix um, and that's where we see you know tendon tears uh, go away and resolve Um, just like when you cut your skin um, it doesn't stay open right your skin heals itself albeit with a little bit of a scar And that's what we see in tendons is that tendon tears do heal not 100 percent of the time in every single person, but definitely consistently enough to where uh, PRP is is can be can be used in those situations. Um, So we know that there is, you know, a a real a true structural regenerative effect. Um, And with cartilage services, it's it's similar, which is. You know, arthritic cartilage gets roughened as it breaks down, right? It's sort of like the the ocean beating down on rocks on the shore. Like ever so slowly, things degrade. That super smooth cartilage surface from when you were 10 or 15 years old becomes rougher and rougher. There's definitely evidence that shows PRP begins to structurally fill in some of the some of the divots of that rough cartilage surface, but it's not with um, brand new uh brand new like unmodified cartilage right it's not a time machine but it does there is evidence that prp stimulates cartilage like tissue regrowth in some of these regions um it's not perfect um again it's not something where you know reversing the cartilage thickness is a goal for really any of my patients we want to promote pain-free function and prp can can do that very well um, and really it's about, and the, 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 flip side of that is keeping the cartilage you do have, right? So if you have moderate arthritis, you know, you're not a candidate for a joint replacement, but you're having some pain using PRP to, uh, slow the degradation of the cartilage you do have is a very, um, a good goal. Um, and that's, you know, on the flip side, cortisone is something that accelerates cartilage degeneration. So, um, what are the things that, really determine PRP quality. So one of the main issues with PRP in the literature and in, and in marketing, when you look at, you know, various medical clinics that offer it is that there is no strict definition of PRP. Um, PRP is just a term used to describe sort of a blood product, um, a a plasma product made from your own blood. Not all PRP is the same thing. Um, There's a lot of confusion around that. I don't, I think a lot of doctors don't know that Um, they're just selling PRP because the you know because the kit salesperson told them that that's what the kit makes um we know at this point as the literature gets more sophisticated that platelet count is what matters in PRP it is what makes the medicine go and so how many platelets you can get into a certain area right whether it's a tendon or a joint or what whatever the platelet count both concentration and total platelet dose is the thing that matters primarily more than any other thing Um, that can have to do with whether it's made with a kit or made manually again like i said um, at my clinic we make it manually for these reasons we can really control the quality Um, and we also record the platelet count so we test your blood when we draw it and then we test uh, the prp product after it's made Um, not very many places do this. It takes a fairly expensive machine to do so, but it allows us to a know exactly what we're doing. It allows us to contribute to the scientific literature by recording our results, um, along with recording the platelet count. So if you get better, uh, we know what amount of platelets it took to get you better and vice versa. If you don't get better, can we correlate that to maybe a non-optimal platelet count? Uh, And so we really know those things Um, the FDA in their medical device approvals defines PRP as any autologous, so autologous meaning from your own body, any autologous plasma product with over 250,000 platelets per microliter now 250,000 is a number that probably doesn't mean a lot to people, but 250,000 is within the normal range of whole blood. And so, you know, by definition, a concentrated plasma product is over baseline, right? So 250,000 is in my view, uh, you know, you could easily have a normal person with 250,000 platelets per microliter in their whole blood it'd be a little on the high side, but it would, would not, it's not that unusual to see. So I look at that number. And that's, that's not PRP, right? So if you have a product that you made from a patient's home blood and it has 300,000 platelets per microliter, right? That fits the FDA's definition. That is not going to be a therapeutic um, product. But people will call it PRP. And so this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Not all PRP is the same thing. And so when you look at the literature, especially over the last about three years, there's a much bigger emphasis recently on uh, platelet count specifically quantifying the product, not just using uh, multiplication. So one of the ways that um, PRP is defined that I find really sort of useless and faulty is by saying, oh, this PRP is 3x multiplication, right? so 3x your whole blood. So with a 3x multiplication, you know, what you're doing is relying on the person's starting platelet count to define that. And so people have wildly different starting platelet counts. Some people have 150, some people have 250. If you 3x that, you end up in very different final concentration um, numbers. So my minimum platelet count for the PRP at my clinic is a million, right? So four times what the FDA's um, definition is. So a million... Platelets per microliter—that um, equates to a billion platelets per milliliter, a billion platelets per cc—and that's as a minimum for us. We're we're routinely, in, and I would say our average at my clinic is one and a half million, often two million platelets per microliter. Um, and again, I know this because we are recording every batch of PRP that we make for every patient. Um, I had a patient last month who. Uh, got PRP for me on her knee. Um, She had had PRP a few months earlier at OHSU, which is the big med school research hospital in Portland. Um, She, after getting the PRP done from me, basically, you know, she said, wow, like this really feels like I got the real deal. Um, This was very different than what I had done at OHSU. And she went on to explain, she actually compared it. She said that, you know, the, after having it done by you, it actually, what I had done at OHSU actually reminds me of a COVID test I had done at a hotel in Cuba, um, where like it seemed as though the medical people were doing it wrong on purpose to get the result that they wanted. Right. So in the COVID test scenario, a hotel in Cuba doesn't want positive COVID tests from their, um, from their customers. So they do bad COVID tests to make sure everyone's negative. Um, In the case of her experience at OHSU, what she was relying or relaying to me was that it was like the doctor had predetermined that they didn't think PRP worked. And so they did a really, really poor job of delivering the PRP and then when it didn't work for her, they said, yep, well, you know, PRP doesn't work. There you go. So just to, to kind of put a fine point on it, her experience at OHSU was that she had one tube of blood drawn, right. so about eight milliliters, eight milliliters, um, spun down once the plasma was taken and injected into her knee. Um, in contrast, um, uh, in contrast at my clinic, uh, in my treatment with her, we drew 55 to 60 CC's, um, spun it down, extracted all the plasma, spun it down again, concentrated the platelets, uh, injected that, um, under ultrasound guidance, and uh, I just talked to her last week, and she's doing really well after just one treatment. So the the idea that like what I did and what she had done at OHSU is the same thing is a completely false idea. Like it's a it's a it's a complete um, sort of lack of definitional standards. And so that just goes back to I wrote an article about this that you can find on the blog uh, PRP uh, quality and quantification about these points, but I understand, like, it makes it very confusing, but it's still something where you can ask, you know, clinics, like, do you make, do you use PRP, uh, or do you make PRP using kits? Do you record platelet count? You just ask those two questions, um, and most clinics are going to say no to both, and then you know that they're not taking it seriously. Um, We can say yes to both of those, um, meaning that we make it manually, and that we are counting all the platelets. So, There's some variations in how PRP is um, made and sort of different versions of PRP. Um, There's a lot of sort of just open questions. It's one of the things in the field that we'll see kind of develop in the future. You can spin, centrifuge the PRP for a different amount of time at different speed. You can use different extraction techniques. There's also one of the main problems with studying it is that there's a lot of individual patient variation. So the healthier the patient is, generally the better the PRP is. I don't see a, a, um, a correlation much with aging. Um, the correlation is much more strongly tied to overall health, right? So there's a lot of 80-year-olds I've treated that are have much better PRP than many of the 60-year-olds I treat because the 80-year-old is very healthy and the 60-year-old is not, for example. You can have PRP with a lot of white blood cells, with a little bit of red blood cells. You can have PRP that's been quote-unquote activated with various products. Um, there's platelet rich fibrin, which is more used in cosmetics. So there's not a lot of evidence at this point that shows that any of those variations are better than the other, except for the white blood cell part where we do find that leukocyte rich or high white blood cell PRP is better for tendon, uh, especially tendon tears and leukocyte poor or low white blood cell PRP is better for joint arthritis. Um, so there are some distinctions and again, uh, we can make all those customizations um, uh, at my clinic when we when we are sort of going over your individual plan. Oftentimes, I'll see patients where, like I was saying earlier, you know, where they had quote unquote PRP and it didn't work. There's many reasons why uh, it it sometimes works and why sometimes it may not. Um, the main thing is, you know, it's not a cure for everything. Not every pain is going to have a PRP solution, and so I think one of the things that I do really well and try to do really well is know the limitations of my tools, right. Is to know, like when I don't think that, um, you know, a regenerative injection can help someone, I'm not going to sort of shy away from telling them that. Um, oftentimes I get pressure from patients cause they want just the magic injection. They're like, look, I have a pain. I know that it needs PRP. Can you just shoot me up? And I'm looking at them and I'm, I'm getting a diagnosis and it's just not the case. Um, it's not the case that, that PRP will help. So, um, the other big variable is that it just may not be strong enough. Like the, the, the quote-unquote PRP that one place is making is not um, what I would consider PRP, for example. And so concentration and platelet dose um, and the strength of the PRP is a huge variable that's not controlled for and is not stringent enough in the terminology of PRP or in the definition of it. I mentioned the health of the patient being a variable. Um, being really inflamed or really metabolically unhealthy will, will make your PRP worse. And there's some pretty simple things that we can do to, to help navigate that with various people. You can obviously just have the wrong diagnosis, um, and doing PRP when you think it's one thing, um, and not, you know, the right thing is, is going to not lead to an optimal outcome. Um, you can be injecting PRP, uh, without any image guidance and just be missing the target, um, just missing the target tissue and not knowing it because you're not seeing it. So every injection that we do at cascade regenerative medicine is ultrasound guided so we are watching um, and i know everywhere that the prp goes and i'm watching it go exactly into target tissue so there's no um, doubt about the precision of where the prp is actually placed and then sometimes people just need multiple treatments uh, this is not sort of some sales pitch but you know when we look at like the tide of degenerative conditions and that degenerative conditions like arthritis get worse with time as we accumulate injuries Um, and it can be very micro injuries. And as we accumulate systemic inflammation, we can't control the variable of time. Time presses on. What we can control is sort of the inflammatory milieu in the painful joint or tendon or whatever the case is. So it often with a degenerative condition that, you know, is going to degrade with time and with use, Um, we need to just keep pushing an anabolic and healing response, which can mean regular PRP treatments um, uh, for many people. Uh, A lot of times we'll do a series of three in a row. So three um, spaced out by about a month. And then, you know, someone will come in twice a year, uh, once every six months, just ongoing. And that's, that's what they really need to do to keep their joint in the optimal position possible to keep the cartilage they have and to, and to maintain the health because there is um, an aspect of time, right. That we, that we cannot control. And so moving into the future, um, I think the future of PRP primarily from the scientific perspective is going to be studies increasingly defined by the platelet dose. And I think that's really what I look for at the, in the literature at this point with PRP is what's the concentration, not the multiply factor, but the actual number, the concentration, the platelets per microliter, What's the total platelet dose? Um, I think in the future, we're going to get more and more specific on which factors we can isolate, uh, which growth factors and and which sort of um, specific formulations um, of PRP that we can, um, you know, sort of toggle toggle each variable with. So um, that's where we are in summary. Uh, PRP or platelet-rich plasma is a solution made from your own blood of concentrated platelets uh, which contain growth factors that stimulate your own body's healing response to uh, heal and ameliorate inflammation in chronic injuries that occur in tissues with low blood flow like cartilage like tendons, like ligaments, like labrums, like meniscus. Um, There's a very, very wide application of PRP. If you have any sort of sports injury, chronic issue, um, chronic painful issue, wear and tear, um, any number of things, um, and physical therapy hasn't been enough, you don't want to just take ibuprofen for the rest of your life, and surgery seems crazy um, at this point for you. Uh, then check us out at Cascade Regenerative Medicine. Uh, We'd be happy to um, talk things out with you. And uh, until then, thanks for listening, everyone. That's what PRP is. for listening everyone if you are curious to learn more please visit our website at cascaderegenmed.com you can follow us on instagram at cascade underscore regen underscore med and you can schedule with us today if you or anyone you know has uh, joint pain arthritis sports injuries we'd be happy to answer your questions and help you out thanks a lot and we'll see you in the next episode